0: Welcome to RGM, are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another week here at the RGM Experience Podcast with me Carl Maloney. How are you doing? You all Alright. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we've got an amazing guest for you today, none other than music legend, Ian Prowse. Um, you know, when you really click with someone and then you just have a really good just sit back chat and, it, and it's not all about the music, you know, it, it, this podcast is all about, you know, speaking to musicians and stuff. Yeah, defo. But, it, but it's really nice to just have a chat and get to know each other a little bit and shoot the shit, really. Uh, we we covered a, a lot of ground in this podcast. That's coming up, ladies and gentlemen. So stay tuned. Ian Prowse is on the way. Yeah, it's uh, you know if you're brand new, if you're if you're an Ian fan and you listen to this podcast for the first time, welcome by the way as well. Nice one. Uh, this, po- this podcast is all about delving into the grassroots music industry and beyond, and speaking to the legends, and new bands, and all sorts really. Um, so yeah. Welcome all. You've been around for a while. Hey yo, hey yo. Like I like you. Nice one. Uh, As always, there's plenty in the archives as well. Once you finish this episode, Um, nearly on 150, 150 weeks in a row. This podcast has been going. That's uh, I'm quite proud of that. It's a major achievement. A lot of work, Uh, but I'm committed. You know, it shows that I'm committed. You know, every week uh, we're here, come rain or shine. Uh, Basically delving into this grassroots music industry and beyond Telling stories and finding interesting people to speak to So welcome guys Yeah, I run that RGM magazine thing as well So if you're at a loose end this week And you're trying to find a new band to be interested in Just brought out loads of new releases Uh, Skylights, Danny Clements on there Tom Collins from last week on the podcast His new singles out, Barricades Patch of the Sky Broken Creels NFU It's all on there Music from all over the world All in one place At RGM.press Nice one Yeah, I'm uh, recording this Just before my show tonight At Gulliver's The RGM live gig It's, uh... It's looking like it's going to be really good, really good. I haven't done a live gig for a, over, like, six months. I took a little bit of break from it because workloads and that kind of stuff. I just needed to ease off a little bit. But I'm really excited about tonight. I'm down at Gulliver's in Manchester. When you're listening to this, it, this uh, the gig will have already happened. So I'll tell you about it next week, you know. Um, but, yeah, I'm just re- I've am just i got the buzz again. I'm back, you know, having live bands on and working with new p- young people that are just fucking there loving life. It's great. I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, So yeah, I'm a little bit giddy about that. That's nice. But I'm even more giddy about today's guest. Uh, Yeah, Ian Prowse joins us. I mentioned it in the podcast. Uh, I saw him support the Wonder Stuff at the Ritz in Manchester in December. Uh, And I I really, really liked it. And the opportunity came up to speak to him. And I'm I'm really glad I had the opportunity to, because he's a lovely bloke. I'm sure you don't need me to tell you about that. Shall we crack on? Let's have a chat with Ian Prowse. Cheers, mate. (laughs) Hello, pal. How are you? Yeah, fine, thanks. Thanks for joining (laughs) us today. Where do we we find you today? Uh,
1: I've just got in from doing the school run, and it's very, very rainy and cold and windy here in Liverpool. I think that Mersey is relocated in the city, so I am a drowned rat, but... uh, (laughs) I'm in, and uh, yeah, I've completed my my parenting task for today. There we go, there we go. That's your deed done. That's your deed done. So yeah, how, yeah. How, how are you I still going? can't believe I haven't messed it up. I do say <laughs> this all the time. All my mates are like, yeah. "What? You've, you've never ever messed up being a dad once. Right. You've never been too drunk to get to wherever you're supposed to be." I'm like, oh, "Yeah, no, Not you, yet. Know, hey, you know, twelve months
0: now." So, and <laughs> what what are you going to reward yourself with now you've done your task for the day? Because that's what us blokes do in it. I'm gonna reward myself by just having a good old
1: Natter with you. Oh,
0: there we go. Well done.
1: Well said, mate. Well said. Well said. I <laughs> but still to this day there's nothing more that thrills me more than sitting in the boozer with your mate, yeah, talking about football, politics and music. Yeah. I just
0: talking it you know it's fantastic isn't it i love it it is great it is brilliant it It is brilliant i wanted to ask you straight off the bat because uh uh, you you followed rgm recently on twitter and then while we were setting up this interview you sent a little message about i put a tweet out for people that don't know and i just put it the king got announced they're having cancer and stuff so i just put a little post on twitter saying you've got this pal uh thumbs up type thing you know (laughs) Uh, and, and you say and you mentioned you can talk about the royal family if you want so go on. go on what did you mean well, obviously, because I don't know you. So I thought yeah. I'd look at your Twitter because you'd followed me okay, and I followed yeah. you back and all yeah, that. Yeah. And one of the first
1: tweets was this sympathetic royalist tweet <laughs> as I yeah, saw okay, it. And I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm an absolutely committed Republican. Right. Okay, going back to my very first Pele single.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: probably more so now than I was then because... It's just, it's just wild, you know what the way that the country is run, and and and, and having had a child as well now, I view it through through that prism and all in that the when she was born, by law she's not as important as their children, and I find that idea just winds me up. So (laughs) that adds to my republicanism. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs)
0: I'm not any kind of royalist myself personally. I I, I don't have any strong opinions on the royal family or not really i, d- I did see the king in doncaster races a, a month or so ago um, oh, did you? and it, it, it made me, i don't know i kind of got a little bit excited i unexpected got a bit excited about seeing him you know i don't i don't know <laughs> and, and i don't and i don't know why um you know it's funny isn't it yeah, yeah. there you go i mean i get a bit it, like it, that with celebrities though sometimes you know some people are just a bit weird around people I,
1: I know what you mean. Yeah, I know. Uh, I get right, like that round Damien Dempsey, and he's also one of my <laughs> closest mates. Oh, nice, nice. Um, I, uh, I I discovered recently that I live in the most uh, Republican uh, constituency in the whole country as well. Yeah. Liverpool Riverside, mm. which yeah, where I live, where I am at right now, in, in the city centre, is the most Republican uh, constituency in the whole country, apparently. Yeah. Us and then Glasgow Central. And, uh, and
0: why do you, why do you think that is?
1: Uh, it, it, there's obviously historical yeah. uh, reasons for the social reasons, that, but and historical mm. the, the reason would be is because Liverpool is traditionally not a very English city. Mm. You know, it's in England but not yeah. of it, as the saying goes. And uh, a lot of the people uh, here, uh, if they trace their families back more than one or two generations, find that they they didn't come from here. So uh,
0: I think that's probably it. Yeah, is it more island Scottish, Scottish kind of heritage?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a lot. The, into the stew of uh, Liverpoolness, and there's a lot of like you know African people, Chinese people, mm. Jewish people, Polish people, Italian people. But the key ingredient to the stew, whether you like it or not, is the <laughs> Irish. Right. Uh, okay. You know, the the capital of Ireland and all of that. There was no such thing as the um, Scouse accent up until the uh, Irish famine. Uh, flooded the uh, the city with refugees. The whole end, the whole north end of the city was a refugee camp in 1847, and the collision of all those different people coming in with the indigenous people who were already here created a brand new uh, a brand new authority and way of thinking, a way of speaking, which would be called Scouse, for one of a better word.
0: is in, in it interesting? Just like like in different pockets of the country, where uh, there's certain elements of the community that are scared of people coming from over there coming here and it just like frustrating and a, a bit weird about, and, and I, I don't know what they're scared of. They're watching the news too much.
1: I know. I know. And it's a really, it's an, it's a bizarre thing because I was brought up or came of age, you know, in the eighties. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I'm 16, 17 as the eighties kicked off. Yeah. So we had like the Falklands war And then we had the miners' strike Mm. and we had Margaret Thatcher throughout it. So we were deeply politicised. And I remember vividly that back then racism, you know, was the orthodoxy. So you'd hear racist words all of the time that was what people used it without any shame or whatever it was just peppered in everyday language you know and it was the orthodoxy and and since then over time it's become unorthodox to to say those words and there's been a there's obviously a reaction against it now they would yeah. call it woke, you know they'd be oh i'm not yeah. woke and we hate woke things and all this sort of stuff um so i've seen that change but i was as I say, I was politicised really by the by the miners' strike. Mm-hmm. So, I'm part of that, when you're young and you be you know becoming aware of socialist ideals and and thought, and you read the ragged trousered <laughs> philanthropist, yeah. you know, and all the rest of it, and you you become like a little, a little a bit of an activist. Yeah. And so, I'd argue with people constantly in in pubs about racism. If somebody said the N word or the P word or whatever, I argue with yeah. them as a as a young. You know, as a as a teenager, sixteen, yeah. seventeen, eighteen, and um, so all of these things that we again talking about now, it's it's weird that it just keeps coming round again. So I find myself again having the same old bloody arguments, you know, <laughs>
0: yeah. about it. And. It's like woke, is it? That the word woke, you it used to be like you. If you call someone woke, it's like they're, they're a bit cool than that. But now it's kind of it's being politicised quite a lot. That word and means it different does, things, yeah. and, and and that 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 word's changing its meaning. And but uh, if I hear somebody ranting against woke, yeah. then you know
1: where they're coming from, don't you? You know what? <laughs> you know if you're going to scratch the surface, yeah. you're going to find your traditional. Racist, basically, yeah. just below that, you know what I mean. If they're if they're so uh, vociferous about it, yeah. uh, you could have a, a discussion about maybe that bit's gone too far or this or that. Yeah. But the basics of it is, it's not right and correct to use. Uh, language which insults mm. you know black people or asian people or disabled people mm. you know you're not going to say some of those words that we used to say about disabled people because yeah. it is wrong and it's horrible and i will yeah. you know i'll argue that we should be much more respectful and, and as a society yeah. we 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 grow better if we don't talk about people like that you know
0: and it doesn't help the language from those fucking tours even just this week <laughs> does it <laughs> even like uh, coming from right from the top yeah, uh, exactly, mm. exactly. And I, you
1: know, when people say Tories these days, and obviously here in Liverpool, you know, um, yeah. and it kind of began with Jamie Webster, God bless him, but it, mm. it certainly comes up, it put, comes up in our gigs a lot of the time as well, yeah. with people singing, you know, da, 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 fuck the Tories, yeah. and it becomes a thing, and then that spreads around, and Tory is almost a dirty word across the mm. board now. I include Keir Starmer in that, right, and Rachel Reeves are mm-hmm. they're Tories to me. I find them as every bit as disagreeable as I find the Tories because they're just the Tory B team to me. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm fighting the battle on that front as well. Um, and I know that, and that's an, that's an interesting thing in itself, isn't it? I've, I'm like my age <laughs> now. <laughs> I've been doing this a very, very long yeah. time. And at the next election, I won't be voting labor. And that'll be the first time that I've never done that, yeah. you know, and I'm, I counted the other day in local elections and in general elections, I've voted Labour 50 times, often with my, you know, uh, fingers crossed behind my back because I haven't, you know, I've felt I haven't agreed with it or whatever, but this time I'm not going to. And, uh, I, you know, you can't, nobody should vote for a for a party that doesn't even know how to stand up against a genocide. As far as I'm concerned, never mind everything else.
0: It's it's always strange, that even in America, where it just seems to be two points of view, and you've got to pick one or the other. It's just not it's not yeah. enough these days. There's got to be more choice. There's got to be there's got to be somewhere, yeah, you know, up or down rather than left or fucking right. Ah, mate, you said
1: it was better than I just did. Honestly, you're absolutely right. The the being just a binary choice now is just not enough and it's not serving us properly and it's not democratic at all. You know, we had a leader of the Labour Party there between 2015, 2019. And he basically wasn't al- allowed to lead. His own party made sure he got beat, you know. Yeah. So that's not democratic, is it? No. He was providing actual opposition, Jeremy Corbyn. He was actually saying, well, you've got the Tories over there believing in all these things, and we've got these opposing views which are markedly radically different. Yeah. And that's a proper choice, isn't it? Now you're not going to get a choice between Starmer and Sunak, you know, yeah. to only yesterday the whole 28 billion green thing. It's just... Yeah. It's just outrageous, you know, and they just lie to your face. As well. <laughs> I know, I know. What, what, what do we do, though? What, How do we change it? Yeah.
0: How do we well, change? I mean, it, I,
1: well, I mean, well, I don't, I, I think you start by changing by not giving them your vote and respecting right. your own vote. Yeah. My, You know, because I'm politically minded, although I don't consider myself a political artist in any way mm. or songwriter, yeah. but I am politically minded. You yeah. know, you couldn't not be being being brought up on Merseyside, really, or or in the 80s, Mm -hmm. uh, in this country in general, Um, I I kind of, like, feel as though if I give them my precious vote, which I respect deeply, my own vote, you know, Mm -hmm. then I'm just, you're just going to go round and round in in a circle, constantly in a neoliberal circle, going round and round, going, oh, yeah, but you've got to vote for the lesser of two evils. Mm -hmm. Less of two evils is still evil. So I think if a significant amount of people either don't vote or vote for green or independent socialist or something, then we're going to force some change. Um That's the
0: way I'm thinking at the moment about it. But as I say, I'm not. You know, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad actually, I tweeted about the king anyway. That, that brought some like, yeah, healthy debate yeah, yeah. there, didn't it? But it's, and, you that's, know. It's,
1: it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. That's what, it's what makes the world go round yeah, is right. talking about all this stuff and trying to change the world for the better. You know, I got this from when I was a kid and all of a sudden, I was thinking about this the other day. Why did, why did punk rock and new wave have such a a, a profound effect upon me? Apart from, it was obvious that this was my generation's music, even though I was slightly too young for it. I felt the shockwaves, you know, powerfully as as it went along at the beginning of the eighties and everything. And I think it was because we were listening in the charts was bands like Mud and the Rubettes and Shawaddy Waddy, who even as a, you know, even as a 10 year old, you knew it was deeply uncool, (laughs) horrible retro fifties music Mm -hmm. with no soul, no soul at all. Then all of a sudden along came these bands kicking and screaming. So I was politicized by Joe Strummer and Paul Weller. You know, I always say that I owe Paul Weller the, the the greatest debt because whatever he hit me with when I went to see the jam for the first time when I was a kid is the fuel that I'm still running off to this day because it was so powerful to a young boy. Yeah. And here's a fella singing about being working class from the council estate and all the things that I could relate to, you know, and I'm, it's still there with me to this day.
0: Well, you, you mentioned him earlier, Jamie Webster. Yeah similar kind of mold, and it really is singing about what's what he, what he sees yeah. and what he feels politically yeah. and his community and that kind of stuff. Is passionate about Liverpool and flying the flag for the city again, really?
1: Yeah, I think so. And uh, you know, as as me mate Nasher says, it's great that he's having a, a go on the swings. And <laughs> him, him having been in Frankie Goes to Hollywood, you know, yeah. arguably our second ever biggest band from this city, he he would know what it's all about. So uh, yeah, fair play to him. You know, he's uh, I, I'm, I'm digging his message.
0: Yeah, well, um, just while we're on Liverpool and the local music scene, that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm fascinated. I've been doing a bit of research, and I, I didn't know about the Monday Club that you did at the and me personally. Oh, okay, uh, So yeah. I've, been, I've been digging into it and just seeing yeah. uh, just seeing what it's all about. And that, that just looks like – are you still doing that at the minute, by the way?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah We've nice. been doing it for 12 and a half years now. Wow. And – um they they asked me to do it all that time ago because I know all the guys at the cavern anyway. Yeah. The guy who runs it now used to be Pelé's T-shirt salesman. Ah, okay. <laughs> he got in touch and he said, would you, <laughs> would you like to do an open mic? Would you help us out? Yeah. On a Monday, we've got a free slot on a Monday. And I went, mm. absolutely not, no. <laughs> I would I'd rather saw through my own thigh with a blunt junior hacksaw than listen to lads come in singing Wonderwall, you know. <laughs> And and about a week later, I'd been out with Miles Hunt, my dear friend Miles Hunt, and I'd been to stay at his house down in uh, Shropshire. He lives in the middle of bloody nowhere. And uh, we were, we went to his local pub and there was this, there was this thing on where they were giving artists 15 minute slots. And it's way on the middle of nowhere where he lives. Mm. And every artist that came on was, did their own songs and was brilliant. Mm. So... I went back to the cavern and said, okay, let me give it a name and I need to give it an ethos. And the ethos is strictly no covers. Mm. And uh, But I want all the gear set up so bands can play. We want poets. If somebody wants to put a play on, they can. Comedians, it's all about creativity. Nice. And they went, we'll give you six weeks. We don't think it'll work, but we'll give you six weeks. <laughs> and here we are. Wow. And we've had, we I've had everybody playing there. I've had... Dr. Robert Miles Hunt himself. We've had Lee Mavers. We've had the real people have come down and played in nice. McNab. We've had Hurricane Number One, and and loads of other things have happened uh, there. And it's and I, I take it really seriously because I see the young boys and girls coming in through the door fearful that they're going to have to play to the audience for the first time, some of them, but also full of, you know, hope and enthusiasm for their own music. And I recognize it immediately. And, and so I, I, I look after them as as best I can. And we've had some success stories out of there. Red Rum Club, another band from here in Liverpool yeah. who did really well. They were basically born at, at the uh, Monday Club. So,
0: yeah. Well, funny enough, I've I, 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 you know, at... I follow a lot of music, you know. I've, I've got Red Rum Club on the list. They're playing the Liverpool Arena. So they are, yeah, you've got, yeah, yeah. They've got the fourth yeah. album out soon. I've interviewed them a few times. Love those boys. I can remember yeah. seeing them at the Rocking Chair in Sheffield on a really tiny stage years ago. Ah, they're great. So, they're great. So, I
1: So I always so, say that yeah. I was the midwife that bore them, and they <laughs> they love that. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: how, how how do you see the strength of like local uh, Liverpool music now coming through the Monday Club and in and around the city and you know? It's amazing, you know,
1: because. Liverpool is, um, when the music industry collapsed completely yeah. at the beginning of the uh, century and like Napster came along and all of a sudden music became free and they couldn't hold back the tide anymore. And, uh, um, like that old model of you, you worked hard and you, you got really good and then you get signed yeah. and that collapsed that whole thing. Yeah. So the industry collapsed with it. That never, happened in Liverpool in that Liverpool didn't collapse along with it. It's as vibrant now and there's as many bands being formed on every street as there ever was. It's a proper center it's music city you know and it kind of doesn't matter that there aren't all of these um uh, labels like you know hanging around like they used to when i was a kid you know when Pele got signed there was like always loads of labels you know 20 30 labels all sniffing around seeing what was the next big thing to Mm. to come out the city because they knew something was coming and um in this day and age there's still loads and loads of bands being formed and they they're getting launched and they're doing some of them doing good and some of them are struggling and all that and there's but there's still every week I go down to Monday club and there's three or four people I've never seen in my life before who get up and sing their own songs and I always wonder where the hell do they come from but it's the city you know it's mad. It's mad that it, it it is like this,
0: but it is. It, I, I do often ask a few Liverpoolian fans and have this conversation with them around, uh, it, obviously with the Beatles, and you're never going to get away from the history that that band created and where they're from. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it does seem to take over the city quite a lot. Do you feel like that can sometimes hold back a new generation because it's surrounded by these, you know, the biggest band in the world? Um, I, I, um... I, I, feel, I feel like I've got... A, a germ of an idea of a conversation there, but I'm not quite. I've not quite <laughs> sussed it out. If
1: no, you it either. is a conversation that happens in Liverpool all of the time, right? And notwithstanding around the cavern itself, mm. because the cavern of, often gets levelled at it. Uh, the criticism that it's just a museum, you know. Mm. And the first thing that they always do is they point at me and they go, "If we're just a museum, how come <laughs> these nights going on so well? You know, yeah. how come?" Crausy, um, even though he's on the road all the time playing his own music, mm. he says to his um to his agent and his promoters, which I do, don't ever book me on a Monday. I want to go home and do the Monday Club. Um big be- and and so therefore there's a vibrant, creative, on the button scene, which is which isn't stood still or reverential about the past. Mm. It's happening now. And so they can they can they can uh, sidestep that criticism. And I think in Liverpool, people have just come to the... They absolutely love the Beatles, yeah. you know. People sometimes try and be, you know, arsy or whatever. But the bottom line is we absolutely love the Beatles yeah. and we love them on many different levels. Personally, I never, ever want to hear She Loves You ever again <laughs> in my entire life uh, because I hear it every bloody day as yeah. I walk down the street, you know, yeah. coming out one bar or whatever. But I'm still as fascinated by the story of them and and some of the rarer songs as I ever was. And and it's, there was so many great, I was talking about this only today, there's so many great things that they went through, the Beatles, you know, take the whole thing where they went to India, you know, that's endlessly fascinating what that, what they did in India uh, or the next bit where they, they're kind of like the get back. You know, documentary. What was going on there? That's obsessed, fascinating.
0: Obsessed with that. I watched it's it four freaking, times, yeah. all of
1: it. And you kind of go. So we sit in the pub and we go. George Harrison broke the Beatles up, didn't he? George had a problem with the Beatles because he wasn't getting his songs on, and he was the one who really caused all of the fucking trouble, wasn't it? So you know, it, it, were, it weren't
0: Yoko. We were fed that. No, it we. wasn't. No, you know, <laughs> yeah. I was
1: just talking to my mate about that. Um, you know, the amount of racism and sexism she would have faced yeah. in a uncompromising way mm. uh still to be you know kind of really reckoned with I think yeah. so it's endlessly fascinating the Beatles so we 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 do love it and there's been so many other great bands as well it's just part of it you know it's all part of the great big stew of this mad city and it's only small by the way Liverpool. yeah you know,
0: I, I, I went the last time we were in Liverpool was December and I did the I went to see John Lennon's house Paul McCartney's house I did the Strawberry yeah. Fields thing, went to the Little Salvation Army for for a, for a cup of tea, just outside Strawberry um, field. I,
1: We did a a, a a television show called Under the Influence about 13 years ago, and we did the pilot, and it never got picked up, yeah. but it was with uh, Bob Harris, Whispering Bob. Mm. He had this idea of uh, of this TV show, so it was all filmed and done and edited and put together, and we recorded, me and uh, Ian McNabb, mm. recorded mm. in... In uh, Fourthlin, in McCartney's house, uh-huh. in the in the front room, and it's all done out like it was there. And we sang and recreated "Please Please Me" because there's a famous photograph of them writing it. Yeah. John's got his glasses on, and uh, because I'm left-handed, it was really oh, authentic. No. No, you funny. know, so my my guitar's pointing into the fireplace, and uh, uh, in is pointing away. And we did it and did the harmonies and everything. And when we record it. Bob Harris was in the kitchen watching the uh, the monitor and when we finished it, he came in and he looked like a ghost and he just went, that was the weirdest thing watching you two do that mm-hmm. exactly where they would have done mm-hmm. it, you know, all those years ago and yeah. nail it, all the harmonies in the way that it is just kind of the next generation spiritually passed on, yeah. uh, you know, as four Liverpool musicians. Mm-hmm. And it, it never got put out in the end. And I must contact Bob and ask him, why didn't they just lash it on YouTube or yeah. whatever? It was brilliant, you know? Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, f- for me personally, when I think of Paul's songwriting and John's songwriting, I I take great inspiration from the both of them.
0: Just when really. just when you see it actually right, get back in it. Yeah, it's
1: when, brilliant. When, when yeah.
0: It just does that flash of lightning and you see it. You never see it, do you? No, no, even, no. Even that flash, that just, just, just you know noodling out an idea on guitar and that's the and it, that's the, thing thing that's the beauty of it
1: one minute it does not exist yeah. and then the next minute it's born it's in the world and it's never going away because it's that good so uh they're both a huge influence on me and my songwriting
0: Certainly. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned him earlier, the chief Miles Hunt. The last time I saw you live was down at the Manchester Ritz, just in December, I think it was December. Oh it
1: was yeah, fun. just gone. Yeah, yeah, just gone yeah, supporting yeah.
0: the Wonder stuff. Um, yeah. and that was the that that, that were like, uh, you know just a, an amazing night. I'm a massive One stuff fan anyway. I just, I'm just like ridiculous. It's just been one of my like childhood bands to write. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how has it, how has it been um, as a performer uh, over the last few months and years? Uh, just, you yeah. know, keep, keep guess, keeping going, you know, after all these years, when did you start? Uh, Pelé started in 1989, was it? How many years is that 19,
1: been? well, we got the, we started a band in about 1989 and we got signed yeah. in 1991. Yeah. And the curious thing was, was we got signed to Polydor, who who the Wonder Stuff were on. But we never became friends until 2005, when my next band, Amsterdam, got uh, Mm. asked to support the Wonder Stuff on tour. Mm. But considering that I've got curly hair,
0: he's got curly hair. I was going to say, have, have you got the same hairdresser?
1: We got the same addresses. Yeah, okay. We're both obsessed with the jam yeah. and a lot of the same and the, and the water boys. They had a yeah. fiddle player in them. <laughs> we had a fiddle player. We have a lot of the same musical references. We just we never hung out uh, back in the nineties, mm. um, but we've made up for it since. So, yes, uh, like it. so yeah, it was. It, I mean, who wouldn't love those? Those. those Uh, punk pop early wonder stuff singles are just even to this day are fantastic aren't they they're outrageous bits of uh, songwriting they really are and I think they're the best they've ever been on this tour we've just Mm -hmm. done with them now music the the way the band is sounding it's the best
0: they've ever been uh, even because because they, they did the, the full construction of a modern idiot album which historically hasn't yeah. been miles's favorite album of it all he's finally got around to doing it all live because he's been going through them all yeah um just they are yeah such just it's just amazing just how great they are live people a lot of people like they all oh, wonder stuff but when they see him live they're just like they're blown away by him it's ridiculous
1: yeah, it is. It's amazing. We, we uh, me and Miles broke all drinking records after the mm-hmm. Birmingham show, just talking yeah. shite in the corner like yes. we always do. And I think I said, it's the bass player. The <laughs> bass player is why you're so good these days. He's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because as I said, at the top of this conversation, there's no yeah. more fun than yeah. with your mates talking about music. And, you know, nice it's L-cycle. beautiful, isn't it? So, so that for the whole Pele thing was... We had, the, it was basically, it was the Waterboys. We, we we got so many reviews um, when we were on the, getting interviewed on the telly or whatever we were doing, they would always bring up Dexie's Midnight Runners. Mm. I was going, no, no, you've got it completely wrong. I'm, I could take it or, or leave Dexie's, but it's the Waterboys for me. Yeah. It's I, it's the Celtic soul. It's Irish mm. kind of soul music is what really turned my songwriting into the God as a deal, you know, and, yes. um, so that was that was where it, it came from i mean you know my my music was i got into music because of the clash and the jam and the stranglers and blondie and all the rest of them and elvis costello obviously but it was my songwriting only became any good after i'd heard the water boys and that was what um, you know. That's that's what musically really turned me on.
0: Yeah. Well, I, 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 I'm just looking through your your back catalogue. You know, signed to major labels. You've seen it all within the music industry, aren't you? Uh, yeah. And I know it, it's called the cottage industry these days, or it's yeah. or DIY, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, when I was speaking to Miles when we had him on the podcast, he, he was he said an interesting thing about it. Like it feels like he's going to stop recording because it, yeah. it costs it costs a lot of money. and it's it's a lot of work to even get your money back uh, producing these things. So he's always going to do live music, he says, but he kind of fell out with the recording of the stuff. How how do you feel about it after all these years and still doing your thing?
1: Yeah, we played Shrewsbury recently and he came along and we had that conversation as well. And Uh, he said, said, I'm thinking I'm done. And he kind of looked at me and I went, nah. (laughs) Well, from my perspective, I'll never be done. I'll always, I'm always thinking about writing the next thing. And I think it, I think there's just too much talent innately bubbling in him mm. that will just begin to seep out, whether he likes it or not. Yeah. Might be wrong, and but I hope I'm not yeah. because I'm sure he's got some. Um, you know, uh, that is the favorite record of Miles is that, um, and I've told him this that he's ever made it for me is uh, we came here to work because it's just a body. It's to me, it's like a. Its own world, you know, where he, where he's trying to he's saying something, and if I put it on one track on, I have to listen to the whole thing, mm. and um, that's inspiring. And I I I'd like to think, hope that he's got more of them in. Yeah, it.
0: keep it up, uh, Miles. Will stop yeah, on the Steve Yeah, records, <laughs> it, yeah
1: he? he hasn't too, and, and if he doesn't want to do <laughs> yeah. it, then
0: fucks, he's done enough. Yeah, you know? it's fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. So, as I say, you know, you've had these major record labels, you've seen all the ups and downs of this. Music yeah. industry, we all love and hate at some point <laughs> with yeah. it all. Um, how do you look back on your career uh, and where you are now? How do you look back on how it's been? Uh,
1: the, the thing is about all of the models of getting on in the music industry, mm. all of them, there's a there's, there's a common thread, a baseline to it. All is you've mm. got to be good. Yeah. You've still got to be good, whether it be the major deal, the cottage industry, the major indie deal, yeah. the whatever. You've got to be good because you can't force human beings to get their money out the pocket to buy either your CDs or or vinyl or to get up off the couch and go out the door and go and watch you. You've got to be good. You can't, you know, you can't blag people to do that. And that's the bottom line. And I find that it's much better for me personally these days as a, as an artist, as a songwriter mm. and a musician, because I enjoy it so much more because you're not full of fear. If you are any good, yeah. when you're 25 and you, you're waiting to see if the NME are going <laughs> to, what they're going to say in their review, yeah. you're full of, oh, we're great. This, that, we're, we're a great band. Cause you're young and you're supposed to be like that. Mm. You're supposed to be like Liam Gallagher and say, we're the greatest band ever. Um, but really at the bottom of your mind at the back of your mind, you don't know mm. it's harder, you know, and then you get to this position where I am now 30 years later and you realize, Oh, if it wasn't any good, I wouldn't be I'd have gone. I've had to get a job yeah. at some point, you know, so you do, you appeal to enough people for you, for it to be your living. Mm. And I, and that makes me feel much, um, calmer and at ease with the whole thing. So I, I enjoy it so much more now. Yeah. You don't have to bullshit to yourself more than anything. You, you can do it, you know, and I, and I take it really seriously. I take the, the art, the craft of songwriting really seriously. You know, I don't want to repeat myself. I want to, I want to, you know, do something slightly different every time you put out a new, a new album or something. And I want to uh, learn. I want to get better and all of those things. So for me now, it's, and I've had, I've been like, I've been saying this lately, it's like the tortoise and the hare, you know, a lot of my contemporaries kind of went, yeah, and had big hits and everything. And we didn't have the big hits. We had the minor hits. And I just slowly plodded around the track, you know, and it's got to this point now, at this point in my life, whereby it's as as great as it's ever been, you know. And you can tell that, you know, by being able to, afford to get the alien or yeah,
0: <laughs> so, yeah, fair enough. How, how, do you, how do you know when a song's good
1: that's a good question because uh, every songwriter will tell you that they and Bruce Springsteen included because I've uh, heard him say about this um, you think you've got one you go, oh, they're gonna love this <laughs> and they don't you know yeah. he, I think he was talking about girls in their summer clothes he thought this is this is it this is a hit <laughs> I'm gonna go back up to the levels of Dancing in the Dark <laughs> and it kind of didn't click. I mean, I don't like it for for, for that particular track Um, for, but so you, you don't know. I see this as well. I see this people uh, write song when they've written a song. um, People who are involved in music, you know, whether it be professionally or they're trying to get somewhere, ah, they'll put something on social media, just written a great new song there. No, no, you don't get to decide. The audience decides Mm -hmm. if it's a great song. You know, you might go, I've written a song and I'm really happy with it, but you don't lay anything else on that song because you don't have the rights. The audience tells you. So you might think to yourself, Oh, I've got one. I've got one here. This is good. Uh, But you might get that wrong. I I wrote a song for the last album called battle. And I thought to myself, this is one of my best and strongest songs. Uh, And it turned out that it was. So I got, that one, right. But I've had other ones in the past. I've thought they're <laughs> going to love this one and they've just been lukewarm about it. So mm. you never can tell it. You can't, you're too close to it really. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of like, even like when you, when you're recording in, in the studio, how do you really know when to stop? You know, you, you, yeah. you, you, can, you can, you can get that high art as perfect as you want, but who really gives a shit? Yeah. I
1: I mean, <laughs> I don't have to worry about any of that because I'm in the incredibly fortunate position mm. Of having a producer and very close friend, mm. um, and my entire uh, musical songwriting career mm. is is a is a between me and him. It's mm. a it's a it's a partnership between us. Yeah. I'll write the songs, uh, but Tony Kylie, my producer for the last twenty five years, mm. me and him thrash out how it's going to be. You know, he sorts out all of the sounds. We will go through the arrangements. He'll select which musician is going to play where, mm. uh, and he's in complete control of all that sort of stuff. Nice. And between the two of us, uh, and he never he never bullshits me. He'll just go that song's not good enough. Yeah. And if we don't have enough good songs, the album doesn't get made. So we we tend to keep the mm. the threshold level high. And I'm very very fortunate to have him there to do all of that. You know, he. It's if you listen to go back and talk about the Waterboys again. Mm -hmm. I think they've had an album out a year for the past ten years, or whatever it is. There's so many and some fantastic songs on them, but also, if they'd just done two albums in those whatever last out the last eight albums, they would have been two of the best records they've ever done. But they haven't. There's just so many other songs on it which, to me, don't make the grade. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, and they've needed somebody to come in and edit it and say. No, that's not good enough. They're not the only ones. Obviously, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of that goes on. But uh, I'm very fortunate to have Tony Kite.
0: I, I I just love watching the enthusiasm. You've got after after all these years, and I'm 45. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm an old <laughs> bad now myself, and just like being in around music. How, 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 where does the enthusiasm come from for you? Just just to just to keep I, creating and you know enjoying yourself out there.
1: I'm just like that as a person. Yeah, you know, okay. I'm 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 quite an optimist do you know uh, um and the reason I'm, that i'm an optimist is because you know the world goes through some awful and terrible things but it always continues and comes out of it and it and it's very easy to look on the bad side of things but actually if you if you do really dig down there is a lot a lot to be thankful for and optimistic about you know i'm not religious in any way but uh, I'm, it might be more of a spiritual thing, yeah. but for me, for example, for all the bad luck I've had in the music industry, didn't get the big hits, didn't you know, didn't get the bits of luck here and there. Mm. I, you know, if I examine my position now and where I am in the world, I'm a very, very, very lucky human being. You know, just being in, born into where you are in this, yeah. this country or this time you've 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 got to appreciate how lucky you are you know you could have been could have been born in a lot of different places and a lot of different times where where life was a lot tougher than it is now you know
0: yeah i just worry about all these young bands that are taking everything so fucking seriously these days, because they yeah. they've got the world at their feet and they and they're worried about so many different things. It's it's just great to see people that have had the holy grail of having a career in music and the creative industry, yeah. uh, and, and and it is possible to do it without being on the you know you're know, getting the be always being on a major label or even being on a major label. You know you can still do it and do do it DIY and you know if you're passionate the, about it, you can do it. Is-
1: the only thing they should be worried about, any of them, is the music. You know, yeah. again, I always say there's only one thing you've got to keep your eye on in this whole game. And it's not the money. It's not the fame. It's not the adulation. It's not being recognized down the local pub. It's yeah. not pulling a girl or a boy. It's not buying the fast car the only thing that counts is the music and you have to keep your eye on the music and that with respect. And then everything else will follow. You know, if you, if you take your eye off the music, then you'll, you'll end up in, in trouble, you know? And I think this is when you look at, you know, most new band, most bands rather, they tend to make their best work early on, don't they? As they take their eye off it, you know? Uh, some of the great bands I mean and fair play once you've achieved that greatness it's very very difficult to keep it up
0: and they're, they're worried that they're getting into the mid twenties and thinking that's it, I'm past it for the music industry as well. I think a lot of them these days. When, when, when that that tide seems to have changed quite a lot in the last yeah. 10, 15 years. Anyway, where you know, there's a lot of older artists in the thirties. Oh, you know, in the thirties, you know, are proper old people compared yeah. to the young people still, you know, starting off careers and making it in the music industry. It's, that that seems like like one of the nice changes that's happened in the industry a bit. Where yeah, it's, I know, so, yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah. Well, I wrote my most famous song does this train stop on Merseyside at the age of 39. Mm. So, you know, which is a long time into my songwriting yeah. career. And then uh, I think it was something like seven or eight years after that, I wrote yeah. a song called Home, which is also one of my favourites, uh, one of people's favourites, rather, of my music. And then uh, a song called Here I Lie about my daughter. And then there's Battle from the Last Records. So for me to be able to still be... um A going concern as an artist is the most important thing about this, which means focusing on the music and paying respect to the music. That's what really turns me on the most about doing this whole thing. And that's where the enthusiasm that you're talking about really comes from, you know,
0: well said. Well said. You you mentioned him early, and I'm I'm, a, I'm and I just want to bring up Elvis Costello because my my missus for one just has him on all time. She's obsessed with him. Uh, how was your relationship? You know, how has he influenced you and played a part in your musical career? Um, it's funny because he's a good mate, you know. Yeah. But
1: when I was when I was uh, fourteen, I went to the local record shop and bought "Accidents Will Happen." Mm. Just don't know where to begin. Yeah. <laughs> it just blew me mind. What a brilliant record! And then all of a sudden, later on in my life, I'm releasing duets with him on EMI. Mm-hmm. I'm in his band on the Jonathan Ross television show. Uh, we're opening up for him every night on two UK tours, and it's you. Know, you do kind of. Just, it's not really. He's not Elvis Costello, the singer, to me. He's, yeah. he's EC, me mate. You know, yeah, yeah. I have a laugh. And but sometimes you go, Oh Jesus, Elvis Costello, yeah, you know. (laughs) And not Rosie, all Rosie's like, Dad, Dad, your mate's been in the Simpsons. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. I like that. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And she's met him a couple of times as well. She thinks he's great. So, um, so, but the key thing again about Elvis is he's still he's doing that thing. His last few records have been fantastic. There's some, been some brilliant songs on it, you know. Uh, the last three albums, wow. There's been some songs there which well stand up to his, his classics, you know. So, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hush, what, wow, what a record that is. So, again, he's doing the same thing, you know. He, he's like paying respect to the music. That's what he really loves doing. You know, he's, uh, he can't, he can't stop himself. He's, he's out there constantly creating and that one as it a, a, so he inspires me greatly yeah. from you know if i watch him i go wow that's that's the way to do it so i'm fortunate enough yeah. to be able to watch him from close courses
0: well we, we do through rgm we do support a lot of new bands and that kind of stuff and they do watch these and listen to these podcasts which is great advice guys stop being so worried about all the things that you can't control just yeah make yeah. the music man and just make it the best you can make, ever be make and the then
1: music yeah. it'll come to you yeah
0: because
1: people people love music, you know, they still, yeah. they don't care how they get to consume it. Yeah. You know, uh, I was talking about this again today with a friend of mine, Al, um, it, if we do a a big, the big Christmas gig that we do every year that, yeah. you know, 1100 people will, will turn up every single Christmas. We do the people who turn up, they don't care who the promoter is. Mm. They don't care yeah. who's managing me. They don't care if the backroom staff have changed. They just don't care. Yeah. You know, they just, they care about you and the songs. Yeah. And um that's what it's all about. Everything else can be sorted out, but what can't be sorted out is if your songs aren't hitting the mark. So you've, You've got to pay respect to that.
0: Yeah. Well, the music will always stand out for itself. You're back out on tour soon. Starts on the 23rd of February in Sunderland. How, yeah. how do you prepare for tours these days? Because one thing I've noticed about Miles Hunt is, is he doesn't drink a bottle of wine every gig anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> he, used no, no. T- he used to take a bottle of wine on every time. That, I know, that's yeah. changed to a can of Guinness now. So how, how do you prepare for it? I think he's enjoying it um,
1: a bit more probably, which is, which is lovely no. to see um i yeah I, I wouldn't i don't i'd probably only have a a glass of of lager now whereas i'd have you know a pint before yeah i, I it is easier to stay as focused and in control as possible um as you get older yeah. um i it, this tour that we're going out on is is an acoustic tour and i've never done such a big acoustic tour yeah. so it's a tour of and again, to refer to Milo, we, you get the opportunity to look into the whites of people's eyes and tell them stories yeah. about your world. Cause it is, if you've done this for as long as we have, you do have some wild stories. You have some in fascinating stories, things that haven't happened to civilians, you know. <laughs> and this is, and to relay those stories on really works in the acoustic setting. So yeah. I have some stories that I will be telling as we, we go around the country. Um and I'm and I'm percolating them in my mind now and by the time we go out there in a few weeks I'll have they they'll be finished and, and ready to go. And I've called it the Mersey Hymns mm. tour because I've noticed that Liverpool, the city and the river itself have become a bit of a muse to my songwriting mm. in the last Two albums. Uh, they've I've written songs which directly reference parts of the city or the river itself, mm. or say my re- my daughter has also been amused. You know the the joy of uh, of uh, of becoming a, a parent later on in life. Mm. So um, that's why the the album's going to be called that. And of course, I've written plenty of songs in the past which are inspired by this area. And it's a, as I always say, Liverpool's not it ain't. It ain't better than anywhere else, yeah. and it ain't more special than anywhere else. The thing that it is is, it's different, and yeah. it's different for for his, human geography reasons, historical yeah. reasons, you know, um, and has brought about why it is, you know, in England but not of it. So, uh, and it's there's a hell of a lot of music comes out of this place considering how small it is. Mm. So that's that's the the basic idea behind
0: nice. And, you, and we had a little chat earlier, you're re-releasing or bringing out the third Apelli album coming out in March kind of time. We did
1: Yeah, no, we did that. I think about, uh, I think we did that about a year ago. Okay. Well, during the lockdown, I, mm. I did a Friday night show. Uh, I ended up doing 40 of them on live on Facebook for yeah. free because yeah. we had nothing else to do. I'd come back off the Costello tour with a load of merch unsold. And I thought, well, I'll just do a gig on Facebook yeah. And it took off and it became a thing whereby about a thousand people every week would tune in. And it wasn't just um, my, you know, pointing my iPhone. It was my partner pointing my iPhone at me and me singing. It wasn't as dry as that. Mm. It became like an entire variety show. Mm. My daughter would sing. We'd we'd have a a competition to see who was the worst behaved public figure of that week. (laughs) And it was like an old style variety (laughs) show. And, and we'd all get drunk together, me and a thousand people online, you know. Yes. And even to this day when I do gigs, people come to the merch stall and ask for a private hug and they will just say, listen, you saved my life there during lockdown. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just had your Friday night to look forward to. So I I knew that I was providing a, uh, something for the community there. Yes. And uh, so but, but what it led to uh, beautifully was that there's a massive uh, reinterest in a lot of, of my music which hadn't properly been released we'd made a third pele album for polydor but the relationship had had fallen apart before it came out so we finally got to put it out you know and then we did the two early amsterdam albums which are only ever mail order mm. before we got signed in 2005 so a lot of that music had never been properly released and um this year we're going to it's the 10th anniversary of my first ever solo album mm. which didn't do half as well as the last two did so all of the new fans that have come on board don't really know about it so we're gonna re-release that wow. master it properly and add to, it, add to it the three songs which should have been on it to begin with, which were three of the best songs which the uh, record company took off for a best of. Yeah. So uh, that's going to come out soon. And on vinyl as well, which never nice. happened first time. So uh, I'm always at it. Yeah, I constantly- know, mate. I love, I
0: love it. I love it. Well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to put a link in the description of this podcast if you're listening <laughs> I love to it, it. or love in the description of YouTube for yeah. you to get involved and to, you know, get a ticket we're on playing tour.
1: all, over, all yeah. over the UK throughout the spring. Yeah. I think... I think Shrewsbury, London, Apple Tree, Barnoldswick, Liverpool, and somewhere else have sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's plenty of tickets for the other places. And I'm also out opening up for the great Damien Dempsey nice. for seven dates in March as well. Nice. So, so uh, if yeah. if
0: somebody's hovering over that link now, mate, what would you say to them to click it? How would you? What would you tell them to do?
1: If you come, we will raise your spirits. There we go, raise your spirits. We will if you're struggling. We will give you the armory to keep going, um, to believe in yourself. If you're not struggling, we will give you a top night's entertainment. And if if you're both, you'll get some tears, you'll get some sorrow, some joy, you'll get some daftness, you'll (laughs) get lot of fun you'll get a bit of politics there we and go. You'll, get a, you'll just get a bit of humanity you know yeah. that's
0: what it is well I'm, I'm clicking away straight away and i'm sure other people watching this are um uh, lovely mr. mr prowse i really appreciate your time <laughs> joining us today for this podcast um just thank you for you all asking. the best mate just wish you all the best and uh, thanks for your time you know what i mean don't you just what a lovely guy thanks ian mate what a lovely blow what a long history in the music industry has had um, you, you, I love those kind of conversations where it, it it wasn't in any way forced it was just a natural nice conversation love that it just flows it's just good yeah I'm quite pleased with it nice one so ladies and gentlemen as always you can watch our little faces talk on YouTube that's always an option for you too over there uh, you can subscribe that'd be nice 930 coming up to 930 uh, out of our target of 1000 subscribers it's always nice having a target (laughs) do slag numbers off on that myself I'm a bit of a hypocrite with that but I am chasing that 1000 on there Um, yeah just uh, as always delve into the archives of the podcast thanks for staying through right to the end right here at the end of the show this week it's always appreciated if you're brand new and you're an Ian fan and you're new to the podcast tell your friends about it share it about tell them you know delve into the archives there's plenty going on in there yeah so another week has been done I hope you're having a lovely week I hope you're uh, getting everything sorted that you need to sort this week and just gradually um, getting through life I'm gonna get off, ladies and gentlemen. I've got my busy gig tonight down at Gulliver's in Manchester, so I've got a lot to do for that. So I'm just gonna leave you, love you, and leave you. And I'll see you again next week. Nice one. Tell your friends RGM's the place to be. Self praise is no praise, Carl. Shut up. I'm babbling, so I'm gonna go. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll see you next week. Toodle-loo. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? come and join us simply click on the RGM submission page submit your music and we'll sort the rest hello did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways within the description of this podcast you will see a list of all the equipment that we use these are Amazon affiliate links clicking on these links take you to Amazon if you buy whatever you're planning that week we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost we would really appreciate your support Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe, tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week. Come on,